as we held on to this, maybe we ask the question, how can I love my neighbor well? How can I love better? I would suggest that maybe it's by being people who live in the light. And we're going to unpack this a little bit this morning. How do we love our families, our neighbors, people in our community, our colleagues, those that we've never met? How do we love them so that there's actually a fondness within us towards them, so that there's actually a sense of care, so that we're not just loving them by doing actions of help, because that's the right thing to do, but that we're loving them because there's this compassion that wells up inside them and goes out to them. We know there's probably hundreds of songs that say the world is a better place. We are better if there's more love, because love transforms. It transforms us, and it can transform communities. This month, we've been asking this question. What if God is more interested in what he wants to do in us than through us? What if God is more interested in what he wants to do in us than through us? In the beginning, I believe that God made you using the genetics and the characteristics of your family. But I believe that he intended you because he had things that he wanted you to do. He intended you. He designed you to be loved and he designed you to love. And then as we grow up, we're shaped, aren't we, by different situations that we face, our families and how broken or how whole they are by different things that we believe about the world, different things that we believe about ourselves. And all these things shape the you, the me, that we were intended to be. This month we've been, as Troy said, thinking about our shadow sides, exploring the shadows, the sides of us that maybe we want to keep hidden because maybe they're dark, they're selfish, they're unworthy. We feel that we shouldn't have them. Because often I think it's these things, these shadows that actually prevent us from loving well and from loving better. Sometimes we look at people and we think, oh, you can see what their shadow is. We probably don't use those, those words. But in some people, these things can be quite obvious. They don't try and hide them. But in many of us, we try and hide them. They're very subtle within us. But I actually think that they make an impact on our inner attitudes I think that they can make a difference. They motivate our choices in different ways. And we ignore them because maybe we think, I shouldn't feel like that. I shouldn't have thoughts like that that pop into my mind. But God is interested in doing a work in us. He's interested in doing a work in us so that we can step out from the shadows and step into the light. This month we've been looking at a series of of characters in the Bible and we've been looking at their shadow sides and their light sides, their strengths and their weaknesses. And you may have noticed over the last few weeks actually how very close the weaknesses are to the strengths. Often they're a similar thing, but either the dark side or the light side, the good or the bad side of them. We started off looking at Jacob, the wrestler, And we learn about his shadow side quite quickly. We learn that he had this selfish ambition. He wanted um, to be first. He wanted to be the leader. And it led to quite a bit of deceit. But as time goes by, we see that he has this strength of leadership. 
that actually he learns to tell the truth. He sees that deceit isn't the way. We looked at Esther, the queen, who is beautiful and relies on God. And we actually read nothing to reveal her shadow side. We could only guess um, what it might have been because we know her strengths, that maybe there were little voices of vanity or relying on her own status, but she's an incredible woman who stands in the light and shines and saves the whole nation because of it. Last week, we thought about David the king, who is an incredible man of passion, a man who is after God's own heart. But we looked at the story later on when actually selfish passion came to the fore, um, that he was a man after his own heart for a while before he was corrected and set right by God. And so then I thought, maybe before we go on to Jonah, who we're going to look at today, I thought maybe we'll look at one more character before we do that. And I thought, oh, should I pick on Troy or Steve or Yvonne? Which person shall I put up there? And then I thought, <laughs> next time. And, um, but I thought, no, actually, it's probably better if I look at this rather gorgeous character first. <laughs> I thought if I show you a slightly unpleasant picture of my outsides before I reveal the slightly unpleasant insides, it might prepare you for the shock. But there we are. I first um, heard that is really gross, isn't it? It's horrible. I think I was trying to be... Let's not, let's not worry. Anyway, I first heard teaching about 10 years ago on this, and um, it was one of those times when you hear teaching and it hits you so incredibly hard. And um, God began a work in me um, then that he continues and will continue until the day I die, I know it. And the work that he is doing in me is a work, I know Cindy's just walked in, she's got the shock now. Um, uh, The work that he is doing in me, I see already, is making me love better. There is more work to be done. I can love better and better, but he has begun this work in me. Now, 10 years ago, I was a stay-at-home mum. Um, but I wasn't uh, very young, so I knew a bit about myself. I knew what my strengths were to some degree. So I knew that if I had to put up my light side first, I knew that um, God had given me leadership skills to some degree. I knew that I was an encourager. So I knew these things about me. And I went on an October afternoon uh, 10 years ago, and I went somewhere, and we listened to a talk, and it introduced this idea about shadow sides. And then we were given time to reflect, and I went um, outside, and I sat and reflected, and it was one of those bolt of lightning moments when God said, this is your shadow side. This is the work that I want to do inside of you. Um, And if you knew me then, and some of you would have known me 10 years ago, I'm hoping you wouldn't have been able to pick it uh, because I had been brought up very well. So I knew which things to keep hidden, which thoughts or feelings that you don't share. They're just things that you're embarrassed of um, and you push away. In actual fact, I don't actually know. This could have been hidden from me anyway. It was certainly a bolt of lighting. But I have my journal with me, so this is what I wrote in my journal when God revealed to me my shadow side. He wrote, well, I wrote from what he'd shown me. My shadow side is to be the best and to receive acclaim for it. So whether it's preaching, leading a home group, being a friend, a wife, a mum, a Christian, to be the best and to receive praise for it. I also struggle with pride and self-confidence, i.e. I have too much, which fits in with this. 
This just came and hit me. And my question is, if my motivation and my sense of value and my sense of worth comes from being the best, how do I love well? How do I love better if this is this deep inner truth that is, is, is within me? I, I was able to love. I'm sure many of my friends 10 years ago felt that I did love them. It wasn't that I was a hopeless case at all. But in pretty significant areas of my life, there was this shadow side for sure. And so God began a work in me, and it involved my cooperation, and it involved my effort. I um, went to some people, I know one of them's in this room now, and I just very embarrassingly said, look, God's revealed this to me, and uh, I know that he wants to work on it in me, so will you hold me accountable, and will you ask me about my pride regularly, and whether I'm doing things for my um, praise and acclaim, or other people and they were fairly good at it, not as good as I'd liked sometimes. But, um, and I wrote myself, I had, like the statement that was read out earlier on the yellow paper, I wrote my own acknowledgement statement, an acknowledgement that I kept in my Bible. And certainly in those early years, I would read very regularly, um, like an announcement of, this is who there is in me, and this is who I do not want to be. God, will you help me? Will you forgive me? Um, I wrote at the end, I want to be content to hear you whisper, God. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I chose to celebrate the best in other people as well. And whenever I sensed any of this coming up in me, any thoughts or anything arising in me, I would instantly go, God, I'm sorry, help me. I don't want to do this. Because God loves me and intended me and has things to do in me and wants me to, work, uh, to walk with him in the light. He is kindly interested in doing a work in me. I don't know whether over this month you've been here at all and you've had those moments of going, oh my goodness, I think I'm like David. Oh, I could be like Esther was. I wonder whether you've had those moments of going, gosh, I think I see a little bit more of my truth, a little bit more of what gives me value, maybe what motivates you, maybe you've been challenged like I was all that time ago. Because I know that God loves you, because I know God intended you, he has things for you to do, he wants you to walk in the light with him. He is kindly interested in doing a work in you just as he was interested in doing a work in me. So, on to Jonah. (laughs) Jonah the prophet. We don't know an awful lot about him. In fact, in my Bible, and my Bible's a little Bible, he takes up one page, one page, two sides, one page. It's a very, very small story, but it's a very, very good story for this week. We know that he lived about 750 years ago. He was a prophet, and the big ruling power at the time were the Assyrians. They were the the mighty nation at the time, and their main city was Nineveh, which was up to the northeast-ish of where Jonah was. Um, And we know um, a little bit about Jonah, and we know a bit about what his his light side was, because he was a prophet and because we see it. He's a truth-teller. He sees the truth, and he tells it. He's a judge. Um, God gives him judgments for people, and he passes them on. But he's able to make judgment um, for himself. He is bold, and he is a man of action. 
So our story starts with God, I'm sure many of you know the story, with God giving him something to do. God wanted him to speak for him. God says to him, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. And so Jonah, being a bold man of action, does get up. He got up and went in the opposite direction. To get away from the Lord, he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I love how true he is to who he is. He doesn't try deceit. He doesn't try hiding in his bed. But he is a bold, truth-telling man of action who gets up. Nineveh's over here. He wants to go to the other side of Spain, the furthest seaport that there is for trading at that time. He is running away. I imagine you know the story. He gets on board a boat. Some point early on, he says to the people who are sailing on the boat, I'm running away from my God. And off they go sailing. And quite quickly, an almighty storm. Whenever you read that the sailors are scared, it must be a pretty big storm. Um, An almighty storm came up, and they are panicking. Jonah is fast asleep in the boat, but they are panicking. They are throwing things overboard. They're praying to their gods. They don't know what to do. And so they decide to wake up the sleeper. And they ask him these questions. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered them, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Well, this threw them into an even greater panic because you are choosing to run away from the God who made the sea by getting on a little boat and going onto the sea. (laughs) Oh, dear. Jonah, though, is true again to his word, takes action, and he's bold. He tells them, what you need to do is you need to pick me up and throw me overboard. They were reluctant. They didn't really want to do it. Um, But after a while, the storm wasn't dying down. Um, So they did. They picked him up and threw him into the sea, and the storm died down instantly, it said. Well, Jonah sinks, as you know, if you know the story, to the seaweedy depths of the sea. And he is close to death and he prays. And God sees the truth in his heart as he prays and cries out to God to save him. And he is taken into the belly of a giant fish, it says. And for three days and for three nights he is in there. And the cry of his prayer goes up to God. And God hears him. And the fish goes and spits him out onto the shore. Now we don't know whether he had a bit of chance to dry off or clean himself down. We don't know. But Quite soon afterwards, I think God speaks to him again. And he says to him, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. It would have taken quite a long time to walk that distance. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. So Jonah continues um, as he walks through the city as this bold, truth-telling man who makes his judgment. And the very worst thing possible for him in his imagination happened. The people listened. The people actually listened. And we're told from the greatest to the least of the people in Nineveh, they felt sorry for themselves and for what they'd done. 
This is what the king said. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And this is what God does, because he sees what happens in the hearts of the people of Nineveh, and he chooses to spare them. And so Jonah, remaining in character, is bold. He is very bold in his anger. He is furious. And this is where we begin to see the shadow side of Jonah. It begins to be revealed, because this is his shouting at God. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted had not happened. Because Jonah actually sees the truth of who God is. He knows God's heart, and he doesn't like it one little bit. Jonah is a man who was able to judge right from wrong. He was there to pass on God's judgment on people, and yet in himself, he had become judgmental. It wasn't for him to become judgmental, but that is what had happened. To Jonah, these people were the enemy, and they did not deserve to live. They should have died. God questions Jonah. Should he really be this angry about it? And yet again, he continues in his fury. He stomps off, I imagine, out of the city. He does not want to be there. He goes a little way out so that he can see the city. He builds a shelter. He sits down, and he decides that he is going to stay there because he wants to watch this city be destroyed. And then our story finishes with a very strange little story that actually leaves the story of Jonah wide open. Because God, um, as Jonah is sitting there, because it's a hot place, grows this plant up with big leaves and they shelter Jonah so he's not so hot. It makes it a little bit more pleasant for him in his fury. He's creating enough of his own heat. Um, And it shades him to some degree. And then the next day, though, God sends a worm, and the worm eats away at the plant, and the plant withers and dies. And he again declares that he wishes that he was dead. So God says, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? We can be quick to judge Jonah, I think. Of course God should save all those great numbers of people. Of course he should. But this was a very different time that Jonah was living in, with very different views about the world. He was part of the Israelites who believed that God was their God, and they were his people, that God was able to judge the other nations, and he chose to spare the people of Israel. This is the way it was, and this is the way they liked it. 
But Jonah, he was a man who knew God's own heart. He knew that God's heart was a God, a heart of mercy and compassion and love. And Jonah knew that God was quite willing to offer these things to people that were actually beyond and outside of Israel. He didn't like it. His shadow side led him to be able to boldly proclaim in that city, in 40 days, God is going to destroy you. But his shadow side took him to a place that was very self-destructive and very bitter. This week, it's Reconciliation Week, and we remember the terrible judgments that have been made in this land through time, judgments of destruction, judgments of dehumanizing people, of taking people's dignity and taking their lives as well in many cases. Not everybody believed it was right, but many people believed that these things were the right things to do, just like the Israelites would have believed, I'm sure, many of them, that destroying Nineveh was the right thing to do. We do hear stories of terrible atrocities where maybe actually um, there was a, a darker shadow side going on in some people. But this is the history of our nation, of this nation. And I think it's good and right on days like this to acknowledge this. But what about us? We are very civilized on the whole, aren't we? We wouldn't shout out the death and destruction to a people. God is interested in doing a work in us. And it's a work that doesn't just impact our actions. Because actually Jonah did everything in the end that he was asked to do. His actions were right But God wants to do a work in us that actually impacts where we find our value, that actually impacts our motivations, our inner attitudes, our inner work. Are we judgmental? Are we harsh? Are we critical? Do we have thoughts that come into our mind that maybe dehumanize people, that strip them to some degree of their dignity? What are the shadows that lurk close by in us? Especially if we're people who our light side means that we need to be truth tellers, that that is a strength of ours, that we do need to think um, critically or analytically, we do need to actually make judgments. If some of these things, maybe we're bold in that too, are our great strengths, what are our shadows that maybe sit alongside of those? God wants to do a work in us. He wants us to cooperate with him and put effort into it too. He wants us, if he's made us to be this, he wants us to be people who can be analytical, if this is who we are, who can make judgments, who can see truth, and yet offer compassion and love. So without the judgmental, there is this beautiful quote that I want to read that somebody showed me just recently. I think this is who he calls us to be, to be people of compassion. Compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, to share in the brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powerless. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. So whatever our shadow side, whether it's similar to Jonah's or not, whether it is pride, (coughs) vanity, deceit, um, 
selfish ambition, selfish passion, whatever it is, because we all have them, I think. Just like in the story of Jonah, God does not want to give up on us. He wants to do his work in us. The band are going to come and play that beautiful song again in a moment. And I actually encourage you to find a piece of paper that is blue, lots of different colors, um, under your chair somewhere. I have one here somewhere. It's hiding. There we are. There's a piece of paper that looks a little bit like this somewhere on the floor um, near you. Can I encourage you to um, either, if you would like, if something has struck you um, this series where you go, actually, I think that God has to some degree shown me a part of my shadow side, has shown me maybe where um, some of my motivation sits, has shown me maybe to some degree where I um, get that sense of value from. You might want to fill this in, almost like your statement of acknowledgement, like my pink piece of paper. You can do it now if, you, if you'd like, or you can take it home and you can fill it in at home. We, we do not want to see these. They're not for us. They're not for the person sitting next to you to see. They're for you just to keep. Like my little pink piece of paper is my secret <laughs> uh, piece of paper. Um, they're to be taken home. Um, and just to say, God, if this is what you've revealed to me, what do you want to do? What work within me do you want to do? Because God is interested in doing a work. I love that in this song, again and again, the line, mercy waits, comes up and is sung. You'll hear it being sung, mercy waits. Because I know that God stands before us with his arms wide open, filled with compassion and forgiveness and love so that we can run to him. I know that God loves you and wants you and me to love better. He intended us. He has things for us to do. He wants us to walk in the light. He wants to do a work in us and through us. That we will be people who love well in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our nation, in our world that we will be people that will step out of the shadows and live in the light.